October 13th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, the uh, American League and National League Championship Series are, are both in full swing. The Tampa Bay Rays up 2-0 on Houston, and the Atlanta Braves took a surprising win from uh, the Dodgers late last night as the uh, the Dodgers really uh, had to, the back end of their bullpen, Blake Trinan, uh, uh, melted down, and uh, the the Braves come away, hit a couple of home runs in the ninth inning. Uh, really, uh, as you and I were discussing before before we started recording here, uh, that's that's pretty much the only way that that Atlanta has a chance to win this series is if uh, if the bullpen uh, melts down three more times for the for the Dodgers. It looks like a pretty good. Yeah, yeah the Dodgers are loaded, but uh, it you know Atlanta can hit. They they've got a great offense, so mm-hmm. you know they've got a puncher's chance, and and it worked out. Uh, in game one, that was, uh, what was, what was going on with uh, the Dodgers pitchers pants? What people were, everybody were, everybody was commenting about uh, Walker Bueller and his tight pants. Uh, (laughs) And and, and now if you remember uh, back, I I believe when the Indians played in St. Louis, uh, Francisco Lindor had worn uh, the the short pants, the, uh, the, the knicker style that, that end right below the knee with the, the high socks. He had worn those pretty much his whole career in Cleveland up until that point. Uh, and, you know, with him battling his, his slump uh, all, all season, uh, you know, struggling in that number three hole, uh, he changed that night uh, to longer, tighter pants. Almost, they almost looked like yoga pants. They, they were, you know, like tight, not like uh, in, uh, in, the, in the early 90s when everybody went to like the, the baggier sort of uh, style long pants. Yeah. But uh, he, he changed it up, wanted to be sort of stylish. I asked Andre not, you know, what the, what the deal was there. He said uh, something a little different. Uh, but hey, uh, Frankie hit for pretty much the rest of the season uh, with those long, tight pants. And I guess it, it's, it's, like, it's like the LeBron James theory. LeBron James started wearing those, uh, those tights underneath his, his pants, uh, you know, a few years back in Cleveland. Right. And, and everybody, down to high school kids, they all started following suit. <laughs> Maybe uh, tra- uh, Frankie wanted to be a trendsetter, and and uh, Walker Bueller uh, ends up wearing uh, incredibly revealing pants. And then what? He got up and walked away from the interview, right? When he he told some reporter, "This is not the time or place for that." Well, well I, I, could you imagine being that reporter and 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 having nothing else uh, to to ask him? <laughs> The, the guy just pitched in game one of the National League Championship Series, and you're going to ask him about his tight pants. That's – I think it, it had to have been a millennial reporter, right? It, this, this had to be a guy looking for something to make, like, a, an, an internet headline post on, exactly. on something about his pants. The funny, it was funny, though, that he knew the guy's first name, though. Right, right. You know, so it must have been a beat guy or something. You know, it must have been a guy that was around there a lot. That's, <laughs> that's just terrible. Oh, well, 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 we know the Dodgers lost this series, but, but really what, what's on everybody's mind <laughs> yeah. is, is your pants. I just – I don't get it. Uh, it it's it, – <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, that was the – that was pretty much the highlight of the night, you know, Walker Wheeler's <laughs> pants. Uh also, uh, yesterday, like we said, uh, the, the Rays go up 2-0 on Houston. Uh, looks like, the, you know, this team's got momentum. They're, they're, they're finding guys every day. Uh, it was, who was it, Randy Rosarina the, uh, the other day? Yeah. And yesterday, it was Manuel Margot. 
uh, hitting a big three-run homer and making a catch down the right field line that, that really sort of saved the game for, uh, uh, for the Rays. Yeah, and that's a guy I think that the Indians had talked about when, you know, they made like 40 different trades with San Diego. He was uh-huh. in on some of those conversations. And uh, he goes to Tampa Bay, and he's a hero over there. So uh, it's, that's an interesting, uh, interesting dynamic. And, you know, they've got, the, they've got the Houston Astros down. Yeah, this is, you know, the <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and speaking of Houston Astros, uh, one name that we, we did see pop up uh, late yesterday, uh, I, I believe it was Bob Nightingale from USA Today uh, tweeted that um, A.J. Hinch will be uh, a candidate or at least a consideration uh, for the job in Detroit. Uh, I don't, or I, I'm sorry, I, I, I apologize. A, in Chicago, I don't know about Detroit, but he had been rumored in, in Detroit as well. Uh, but Rick Renteria being dismissed yesterday, uh, A.J. Hinch now on the short list of candidates for the White Sox job, uh, pretty much a, a prime uh, uh, job for, for anybody out there uh, looking to, to become the next manager. Yeah, that team is ready to win, Joe. We, we've seen a lot of them, and uh, that lineup is uh, it's not lineup is dynamite. And uh, they probably need a manager that, that, that has been to the World Series, won a World Series, knows how to win. But so much some Hinch, what happened in Houston with Hinch, that still bothers me. Mm-hmm. If I'm a GN, that, that still is in the back of my mind. Will he control the clubhouse? And you know, that's, that's what you have to do as a modern-day manager. You have to work the clubhouse. You have to be the guy. And, you know, that wasn't the case in Houston. Right. Uh, we will uh, talk about Chicago's lineup. Uh, we will talk about Cleveland's lineup here and uh, go over our uh, 2020 postseason uh, report card for the, the hitters on the Indians roster uh, here in a few minutes. Uh, also wanted to take some time right now to mention – uh, the big news, uh, the only news coming out of the Indians yesterday was the uh, Tribe Fest. Uh, Tribe Fest 2021 will not happen, uh, will not take place in person at the Huntington Convention Center uh, like it has for the last two or three years. Uh, really, when they moved the event there uh, to the Convention Center in Cleveland uh, downtown, it, it sort of blew up and became this this really neat event, uh, sort of mirrored the uh, uh, what we were expecting with the the all-star village uh, last year during the all-star game. Uh, and, and they just sort of took some, all the elements of that. And they had a, a big indoor field for kids to play wiffle ball on and all sorts of interact, uh, interactive games and, uh, you know, lots of room, plenty of room for all the people to, to show up. Uh, the players also really got into it and, and were interacting with the fans as well. Uh, that won't happen this year. They're hoping to be able to bring it back next year. Uh, in, in 2022, next, uh, you know, in, in the 2022 uh, offseason. But uh, just not being able to have that access there. And, uh, you know, for us, for reporters, it was, uh, it's, it's sort of a blow because that's January. That's getting, uh, you know, interviewers, interview opportunities are scarce in, in January when the, the players don't come into town uh, now for this uh, Tribe Fest. Yeah, that's for sure, Joe. And it's just, uh, you know, it's a sign of spring training. You know, so much the, the, the coronavirus has changed so much. You just wonder if, if things are ever going to get back to normal, you know, just how long this, you know, it's going to take people to, you know, either adjust or, or, you know, combat the virus and, and, and get it, 
get it under control, but uh, you know, it has really disrupted every every phase of our lives. And uh, right. you know, that was just that's you know that's not a, a major thing like right. But it, but it was a cool part, you know. It's in January. You're cold. It's the snow is ten feet deep. You're th- and it's, it was a great time to start thinking about baseball. And uh, we'll have to do it another way, I guess. Right. It, it's not necessarily one of those, you know, like essential things. But it's it's one of the it's what it's what makes being a tribe fan, uh, you know, cool. You know, it, yeah. it's one of those things that it, you sort of look forward to, just like uh, you know, tailgating at the muni lots. What makes being a Browns fan, cool. I mean, that's this is tri, uh, Tribe Fest is one of those things. I asked our subtexters to to send us, you know, what they'll miss the most about not being at Tribe Fest this year. Uh, a couple of answers here. Uh, one gentleman said, uh, "Feel sad for the many fans who each year look so much forward to this event. Uh, it's understandable that the tribe needs to handle it this way. Hope we're back to normal by the first quarter of uh, 2022." Uh, Mark in Norwalk says, I'll miss the interactions my 12-year-old daughter had with the players, uh, banging on John Adams' drum, photos with the team trophies. Uh, He says, Mark says that his daughter got to interact with Mike Clevenger at Tribe Fest a couple of times and that he went out of his way then during the season and at spring training to, you know, remember her and and pose for pictures. So, uh, and that autograph tickets for the event at Christmas time were always a big hit. So, uh, won't be the case this year. A uh, couple more here. Um, this individual says the Tribe Fest was like a shot of the drug of your choice in the middle of a cold, dark, and now viral winter to get you through to opening day. Just being there among the tribe and their faithful fans. Guess it's off to Arizona. So, yeah, I guess uh, we don't even know that's, what's going to happen in Arizona. That's well, my, my that's response crazy. to this guy was, yeah, my response to this guy was, boy, I hope they allow fans in Arizona too, because right now that state's uh, one of the highest uh, rates of infection uh, going right now. Arizona and Florida, the two highest rates of infection. And if you think about it, they wanted to put bubbles in both of those states. That's yeah, that might that may not have worked. <laughs> might not have. All right, uh, cool. Uh, like we said, we wanted to uh, to get to our um, uh, postseason hitting grades for the Indians uh, and this year. And so let's uh, let's just basically we run through the roster, run through the lineup, and and discuss the the grades that we handed out. Uh, we'll start with the easiest one and uh, pretty much the only A plus hitter uh, in the lineup, and he really proved it again this year uh, was Jose Ramirez. Uh, he graded graded out as a, as an A plus. Jose Ramirez uh, in 52 game or 58 games, 292 batting average, 45 runs, 16 doubles, 17 home runs. Uh, really, where where he shined was uh, the OPS OPS plus. He, he had, uh, league average for OPS plus is 100. Uh, Jose Ramirez at a 163 and a 3.4 F WAR leading all of baseball. Uh, pretty much the top hitter on the Indians and one of the top hitters in uh, the American League, if not all of the league. Yeah, just a great year, Joe. He, uh, you know, he had that little kind of he, you know, he was typical Jose Ramirez. He had some peaks and valleys, but when he reached that peak uh, in, um, you know, going down the stretch in in. In, in September, he just stayed there, man. He just, he was unbelievable. And, you know, he's winning games. He's walking things off. Uh, just, 
just a really a good run. I would have loved to seen how this would have worked out over 162. Yeah, just the the numbers he was would have been able to put up over a 162 game season would be uh, interesting to have seen. Uh, Cesar Hernandez uh, graded out at an A for the Indians, uh, 58 games, 283 average, uh, led the league in doubles with 20, scored 35 runs. Uh, Fangraphs WAR, he was a 1.9. He was a 106 OPS plus, so uh, better than better than the uh, league average hitter. And really, on a on a one-year contract, he gave the Indians uh, everything they could have hoped for and more uh, as a as a, as their only real big free agent signing. Yeah, I mean, he came through. He did exactly what they thought he would do. Uh, maybe a little more. Um, you know, they they were able to move him around at the top of the lineup, lead off, second. You know, he he you know he showed no uh, the, the production and the approach didn't change when they put Lindor up there. Just a solid guy and, uh, you know, hit with runners in scoring position, dangerous hitter that way. Uh, really, really good player. And, you know, he really increased his uh, market value, I would imagine. Right. Uh, then we get into the Bs, and the, the first B grade would be Fran Mill Reyes. Uh, in 59 games as the designated hitter, uh, batted 275, uh, 27 runs, 10 doubles, 9 homers, 34 RBIs. Uh, a 113 OPS plus, uh, 795 OPS, uh, just barely above a, 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 a 0.6 F war. So uh, Reyes started out slow, got hot towards the the middle of, of August, and and really hit some impressive home runs, uh, and then cooled off uh, after about the first week of September and stayed ice cold the rest of the way. Uh, at one point, he was leading the the American League in batting average. Uh, to 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 just tell you, I, I guess he's somebody who was affected by the the ups and downs and the changes and the adjustments that needed to be made because of this sixty game season. Uh, he was probably impacted the most out of out of anybody on the roster for the Indians. Yeah, and he's you know the classic all or nothing guy, Joe. And those guys, you know, they need one hundred and sixty two games to kind of level level when everything is settled, you know, you, you get a truer read of it. But when you go from to the extremes, he went from, you know, from what, what was September 1st, he had the five for five game. Mm -hmm. And then he kind of, then you just packed him in ice and we could have sent him back to uh, the Dominican after that, because he just didn't do a whole lot, especially in the postseason. And, and um, just, you know, but that's, I think that's hopefully, you know, he can find some consistency and, you know, become, you know, and, and avoid those drastic, uh, drastic, you know, fall-offs. Uh, because this is the, the, the right-handed power bat that's going to sit in the middle of the lineup for the Indians for at least the next two or three years. I mean, that's, that's why they got him from San Diego. And, and he's, that's, that's his role now is, is to be that guy. So hopefully there's that consistency, you know, finds him next season is, is what the Indians are hoping for. All yeah. Right. And, and, yeah, no, 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 that's great. No, that, you know, and he just, uh, he just needs to find a little bit of consent. And like you were saying, Joe, he's going to stay there. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, they stayed with him. And I was happy to see that, that this is our guy. We're going to stay with him thick, no matter what. And that should give him some confidence, if nothing else. Right. Uh, so uh, to finish up the B range, we've got Francisco Lindor. Uh, not used to seeing Francisco Lindor as a B hitter, but we gave him a B minus. Uh, 
because he was he was right around there at the the league average uh, OPS plus with 102. Uh, and he played all 60 games, hit 258, uh, scored 30 runs, 13 doubles, eight homers, 27 RBI, uh, 1.7 F WAR. So not a bad season, but not what we expected from a, a four-time All Star and you know one of the faces of the game of baseball. Uh, the move to the to the number three spot in the order uh, did not work out. It, it just for for whatever you want to say about the numbers. Having him there just wasn't as effective as when he was a, a leadoff hitter uh, in previous seasons. Yeah, I agree, Joe. And uh, I don't know if that was the Indians' choice or he he wanted to hit there, but it's certainly uh, you know it, an exposed part of his game. And I think this is a guy like Fran Mill that was hurt, didn't know like not hurt, but he didn't know how to handle the sixty game sprint. I think he. Uh, that just it just got away from him, and he knew he started. You know, when he got into a hole, he he tried too hard, and you know, and, and the season was over before he really got his head wrapped around it. Right. Sandy Alomar uh, talks constantly about how how baseball and really hitting is all about confidence. Uh, you know, Francisco Lindor doesn't lack confidence, but like you said, it it it, it gets in your head. You you take a, an O for you know early in a sixty game season. And you, you keep thinking from, from behind instead of out in front. And I guess that's what, what really looks like it happened to Frankie this year. Uh, going to the, the C grades. Uh, C would be, uh, on a report card, C is average. Well, these guys are the ones who are uh, at or below uh, league average, according to OPS plus, uh, you know, F war, uh, stats like that. Um, in 37 games, Delano DeShields uh, grades as a C. Um, and, and this is strictly on hitting because if we were talking about defense, <laughs> it, it would be a, a much lower grade. Uh, because of the, the coronavirus infection, he, he only played in 37 games. Uh, 10 runs, three doubles, seven RBIs, three steals, uh, a 0 0.1 F war. He, he really sort of gave them – pretty much what they were looking for at the bottom of the lineup as a nine hitter uh, when they acquired him, it was other areas where he was not as effective uh, in, in the ways that they wanted him to be. Yeah. And I, I think he, at least they were able to defend themselves. He gave them a chance to defend themselves at the bottom of the lineup because Joe, I mean, before, you know, Sandy started playing him every day. I mean, that was a disaster. Those last three guys hitting, maybe right, the last yeah. four or five guys. At least Delano would get on base. He could draw a walk. He could, he could bunt. You know, he, he did something. He was at least, you know, was competitive down there. Right. Uh, moving on, Tyler Naquin, uh, right fielder, also uh, played in just 40 games. He graded out as a C, uh, OPS plus of, of just 68, so well below league average. Uh, 218 batting average, 15 runs, eight doubles, four homers, 20 RBI. Uh, Naquin, when he came back from his uh, broken toe injury, uh, was 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 pretty hot at the plate the first couple of weeks, and then he cooled off and, and didn't seem to be able to get it going as well. Yeah, another guy that uh, we just did, he just wasn't on the field enough, and and you know he he'd worked so hard to come back, and then he hurts the, he fouls the ball off his toe and. And he just, uh, he, and he seemed to like, you know, he'd have those flashes, Joe, where you think, okay, he's ready. You know, he's, mm -hmm. he's doing everything. He's going the opposite way. He had that great series in St. Louis. And, uh, but we just didn't see 
enough of that on a, cons on a, on a consistent basis. Right. He had a 10-game hitting streak, uh, including a, a seven-game streak of extra base hits in each game. Uh, but for the season, he, he, Naquin typically, you know, doesn't do too terribly against left-handed pitching, uh, even though he's a left-handed hitter. He was 0 for 20 on the season um, uh, against left-handed hitters. Uh, so, so really sort of regressing in that area. And he only batted 169 at progressive field. Uh, moving on, Jordan Luplo. Uh, Jordan Luplo gets a C, um, a 0 0.3 F WAR, a 79 OPS plus. Uh, he wound up in 29 games. Wound up with uh, eight runs scored, five doubles, two homers, and eight RBIs. Uh, not a lot, but again, a, a platoon guy. So you, you're not expecting too much. Uh, what really killed uh, Luplo was going oh, going hitless in his first 21 at bats of the season. I think if uh, if there was any sort of production over that stretch, it might have been maybe a different grade, a different uh, outcome for Luplo. But towards the end of the year, he became a little more consistent, uh, became a little more of a power threat, hit a walk-off home run against uh, Chicago, and and really, uh, you know, I think league average, I think C would would be about right for for Jordan Luplo. Yeah, and I think that back injury in, in spring training too really set him, you know put him behind the eight ball coming. He really didn't, he never looked the same to me after that. He, he, you know, then he goes 0 for 21 and he's really kind of digging, digging his, digging his way out of that for the rest of the season. I, I mean, they had so many, uh, you know, kind of like non-entity, non-entities in the outfield. And mm -hmm. you know, I think he, he was one of them. All right. Uh, now we get uh, below the seas. We get into uh, the, the biggest surprise, I think of, on our uh, on our report card uh, uh, for the year, if you had told me entering the season that we would grade Carlos Santana as a D uh, at the end of the year, uh, I, I would have been shocked. But uh, over 60 games, Santana batted 199, scored 34 runs, seven doubles, eight home runs, 30 RBI, uh, a, a 91 OPS plus. So he was below league average uh, in terms of OPS plus, uh, a 0 0.3 F WAR, which is well below his. Um, uh, yearly average for, uh, for his career. Uh, really, if, um, if 2019 was a dream season for, for Carlos Santana, then 2020 was a nightmare. Yeah, I, that's, you summed it up perfectly, Joe. I mean, he just didn't even look like the same guy to me. I, I, you know, I've seen him you know, go through really long slumps or slow starts. It kind of reminded me of that. And another guy that didn't have 162 games to uh, – you know, right the ship to uh, even the scale out and just, just was, uh, I mean, it didn't look like Carlos Santana. He just, he just, it was almost like a no-show. Right. You get the feeling that there were a couple more months of the season, maybe he would have gotten, you know, white hot for a month and, and carried the, uh, the offense in some way. But uh, really the only thing that saved Carlos Santana this past season was the 47 walks leading the American league. Uh, but, for the, the majority of those walks took place in the first month of the season, uh, even down the stretch, uh, Santana wasn't walking, getting on base as much as, as he normally would. Uh, but that's still a huge part of his game is, is the ability to, to take pitches behind in the count and had the confidence to, to stand in there and, and get pitched to. Uh, really, this, this came at the worst time for Santana because it sort of puts into question what his future with the club had been. If he had if he had torn it up and 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 really uh, you know 
made himself, uh, you know, any sort of value at his age right now, I think there would be a question whether the Indians would, would pick up his $17 million option uh, and just try to try to build around that. But, but really there's no, no chance now if, if there's a question about his, his ability to produce. Yeah, I, I don't think there is, Joe. They're not, there's no way they touch a $17.5 million you know, option. And they, it's not like a Kluber situation where maybe you could trade them too, you know, if you, right. if you do that and then turn around and trade them. I, I just don't see that. And uh, Carlos is going to be out there on the market and uh, perhaps he comes back at a much less, a much lower contract. Or, you know, he goes out there and, you know, I, I don't think he's done. No, I think no. he can still hit. I, I just think he, you know, he, it just was a lot of, a lot of situation, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, consequences, a lot of things uh, combined to uh, just, you know, just ha- have him struggle in so many areas. Right. Offensively. Well, I mean, the only saving grace and the only, uh, the only sort of negotiating tool that the Indians will probably have in that if they want if they do want to bring him back is they weren't the ones who signed him to the, uh, the, the contract that would have given him the 17 million. Uh, so, you know, they're sort of not beholden to what somebody else signed him to, I guess. Yeah. And, and he loves Cleveland, you know, right. I don't think that's changed, you know, right. And right. I think he would like to play here, like to finish his career here. He's, you know, he's, he's played every, you know, I think he's what, 10, maybe a 10 year guy, 10, mm-hmm. I don't know, 11 years and all but one year, the one year in Phillies he spent in Cleveland. So I, I think he'd like to re- retire as an Indian and that could, you know, maybe uh, work in the Indians' favor if they want him back. But, you know, they've got the first baseman stacked up behind them, too. Correct. Uh, real quickly, we'll run through the rest of the Ds. Uh, Roberto Perez graded out as a D. Uh, Oscar Mercado grades out as a D minus, uh, as well as Sandy Leone, also a D minus. Uh, those guys are pretty much comprised uh, the, the bottom of the order throughout the year. And like you mentioned earlier, the bottom of the order was. Uh, the least effective unit on the the uh, the club this season. Uh, it was really sort of the, 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 a, a black hole. Uh, Perez dealt with a, a shoulder injury right there after the first couple of games of the season. Uh, Mercado really just never never got his bearings and never got going. Uh, spent some time down at the alternative site, and uh, I think Sandy Leone. Uh, they 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 weren't looking to acquire Sandy Leone for his bat in the first place, so. Uh, you know, that really didn't, doesn't bother the club if he, if he doesn't hit, but it, 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 you couldn't have expected him to hit as bad as he did anyway. So those three guys uh, uh, really uh, deserving of the D grades or grades in those range. Yeah. And I think uh, wherever Perez plays next year, he's going to be a better hitter because he'll be healthier. I don't think he ever came back from that shoulder injury from opening day. It just never, you never look like the same guy. Right. Uh, other guys to mention, uh, Josh Naylor, we gave uh, an incomplete grade to since they acquired him uh, midway through the season from San Diego in a trade, played 22 games, hit 230, three doubles, two RBIs, really didn't show a lot of power uh, during that final month of the regular season. But then, oh, hold everything, you get into the postseason and he turns into Babe Ruth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do you go five, five for five? His first five in postseason at bats, and he hits a home run. He's hitting four extra base hits in those five hits. Yeah, yeah, He's, and uh, I don't know. You know, they the Indians said when they got him that they liked his uh, 
his his you know ability his hitting ability. They th thought they saw something from his stats in the minor league. So maybe you know let's wait, let's see. And uh, you know, can he play first base? Can is he going to be the, play left field? So you know, some questions. But he certainly you know was you know kind of uh, was intriguing in the postseason. Right, intriguing. Uh, any intriguing guys uh, in in this list of other other performances? Uh, Domingo Santana, Bradley Zimmer, Greg Allen, Mike Freeman, Bo Taylor, Yu Chang, and Daniel Johnson. Those were the other contributors on offense in in some small capacity. Any of those performances stand out in any way? Not, not to me, Joe. I just don't think they got enough time. You know, Allen's gone. Zimmer was hurt. You know, I, Zimmer was kind of a, a disappointment to me. I thought, you know, maybe he would come back, but I think he probably needs more time. Uh, and uh, Daniel Johnson, I guess, is the most intriguing guy of those bunch. We haven't seen a whole lot of them. We saw some flashes in, uh, you know, summer camp. Um, and uh, he's a guy that, you know, if you look at his minor league stats, he does he can do a lot of things, doubles, triples, some power, you know, he can run. So uh, that's a guy to keep, that I'm watching for. Yeah, out of that group, I would say Daniel Johnson, uh, probably the most most likely to have some sort of impact on the roster next year, uh, a, a guy to keep an eye out for. All right, well, uh, that'll wrap up the uh, the grading portion of our uh, our programming today. Uh, a little trip back to school. Uh, Hoinsey, as we uh, look forward to, uh, you know, possibly running through uh, pitching grades tomorrow, uh, at least uh, in, in some capacity, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to what you've got with that. Um, and Anything else we're, we're looking forward to here on the, the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast? Uh, you know, I think that's it, Joe. I think, uh, you know, you have to, you know, continue to watch the postseason. You know, Joe, it's driving me crazy. You know, these guys are playing every day now, and you just think about if the Indians had gotten past the Yankees. You know, not the, the guys, these guys are starting. I mean, the Dodgers, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, have, a, have the good rotation. But Well, the Dodgers the just scratched – they just scratched Clayton Kershaw. Uh, wow! Tonight starts so uh, interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, if the Indians had just gotten past the Yankees, or or at least stretch it to three games, uh, it would have been really interesting to see what these guys could have done. What they could have rolled out this this rotation. All right. All right. We'll check back in tomorrow on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. <laughs>